You guys, welcome back <laughs> to the Into the Light podcast. We're so happy to be back. Bray and I are back. This is live. It's August 6th right now. Yeah, crazy. And we're, we're back together. I hadn't seen, I hadn't talked to Bray in about seven weeks, probably. Yeah, it's been a minute. It's kind of crazy. Like, who's together. a stranger I'm right super here? Super happy. <laughs> <laughs> we're so excited for this upcoming few weeks on the pod. We have really exciting people that are going to come on and we're hoping for some kind of cool changes to happen. And we promised this time. I feel like we said that last time, but, and it didn't happen. But I really think it's going to happen this time. Well, and honestly, Bray and I have debated about whether to keep the pod going or not. And then doors just keep on opening for the pod to keep and going. And ideas so. just keep flowing. Yeah. And so this week's kind of going to be an update episode on, on our lives and some things that we've been doing in the last few weeks because... As you guys have seen, we've been doing some rewind, some summer re- rewind episodes of some of our favorites. But next week, we have a brand new episode for you guys. It's awesome. His name awesome. is Jaden Nelson, and it's it's a freaking life-changing story. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. And then we, we'll have some awesome people for you after that, too. Yep, we're trying to instill hope in this world. Yep. But today, we are going to, Aaron said, give some updates about what's going on. Honestly, it's going to be more about Aaron because my life's pretty boring right now. All I do is work. So, and just getting ready for school. <laughs> but Aaron just came back from a trip with some teenagers, preteens, ages. And he's going to talk to us a little bit about that. It's, this is kind of going to be kind of our Africa episode when me and Katie came on and just kind of talk about what he did and just kind of how he can bring or how his message of how we can bring the light into other people. And some things that he learned love it love i'm excited it. so aaron how did you get involved in this program so, what is it called first of all it's called hxp okay it's formerly known as hefy humanitarian efy but because they aren't affiliated with the church they're not a church-run company they changed the name they rebranded a couple of years ago to kind of make it clear that they're they don't they don't represent the church in any bad way even though they represent the church well everywhere yeah. they go in the world so it's humanitarian experience they're stationed in salt lake and they run tons of humanitarian trips every year for high school age kids to That's go sweet. out and, and serve. Yeah. So, what's the age range that you were? 16 work with? to 18. Oh, wow. So, yeah. really high school. Yep. Yeah. And some are graduated. Okay. Yeah. So, their first experience yep. outside. That's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. So, was it really cool during the time? Because you went on two trips, right? You went yeah. on. Well, I guess it's two waves of kids because you didn't come yeah. back to the U.S. Yeah. You were in the Philippines the whole, whole time. Yeah. So did you did you have any cool when you first got there experiences that you're let's get into it? <laughs> well, it was it was crazy to me because I served my mission in the Philippines. So, so being back there, the place the place that I went this time, we went to Cebu. I served my mission in Bacolod, and Bacolod is the island just west of Cebu. Okay. So I wasn't anywhere near my mission really, but even just being back among the people i was just like, freak i forgot how much i love this place awesome. i hadn't been there in four years and these people are the best people in the whole world and it was just like, kind of waking up every morning like, i'm living in the philippines again yeah yeah i'm not a missionary i get to go joke around and be out by myself like in public i don't know it was just it was super surreal to be in the philippines again yeah that is actually a really cool feeling mm-hmm. as coming from somebody who lives in my mission yeah i coming back to your mission and seeing the people that you taught and being dude i can actually do more than just be at your house for an hour i can 
talk to you and actually get to know you and yeah, be legit yeah. friends. So deep in some relationships for sure. Yeah, that's a really cool feeling. Yeah. So you guys went for six six weeks, three weeks? I was going for five weeks. Five weeks. Split two and a half weeks apiece with okay. each trip. Yeah. Okay. And what were some of the things that you did when you were out there? So the the basic itinerary we had was the first weekend we went to this super touristy island and did a bunch of group bonding, awesome tourist activities. Cool. And then during the weekdays of each week, we'd go to the work site. And our work site was these schools. We had an elementary school we worked at and a high school that we worked at. And we were building by hand these nutrition centers. These just these cinder block buildings that the government can send food to the school and the food can and the school can use these buildings to distribute the food mm. to these kids that are malnourished their whole lives. Yeah. So is that a pretty common thing in the Philippines is malnourishment? Yeah, it is. It is because they don't eat very many vegetables. And so it's either the kids are super, super skinny or the kids are kind of overweight because of just the white rice and fried meat diet that they have. Fried chicken, fish, pork, and just the loaves of white rice, soy sauce. So just not the most nutritious of diets. And so, I mean, the average height of a Filipino male is 5'4", and they think it comes a lot from the food. Their diet. That they eat, yeah, just over time, yeah. That's very interesting because their diet is very reflective on on the health of the children mm-hmm. in society. Yeah. That's interesting. Sure. 100%. So you were building these. And, and what was kind of, because I always think it's interesting when we go on humanitarian trips, I always want to see what is it, the inside looking out. Does that make sense? Us as Americans, we go here and we help these these people. But how do you think it the the Filipino people or the people that you were helping in their communities, how did they perceive what you guys were doing? They absolutely loved us. The kids That's adored awesome. us. It was almost to a point where I was getting uncomfortable with mm-hmm. how, like, quote unquote, popular we were yeah. with the people that we were around all day, every day. Because it goes back to World War II. The Philippines were, they were taken over. The northern part was taken over by the Japanese. And then the U.S. came back and helped them yeah helped them out and so they've always had a soft spot for americans and they just love white culture Mm. and so if you're over in the philippines and you're white and you speak english they're just going to instantly love you seriously 95 percent of the people are just going to instantly love you and want to be your friend and so it's crazy the elementary school that we worked at for the first two and a half weeks that we were that i was there literally kids asking for your autograph asking for pictures every day do you actually feel a celebrity Wow. And for a little introverted me, it was really exhausting that yeah, way. <laughs> yeah. And I felt really uncomfortable because we're all just normal people. For sure. But yeah. they kind of have this worship mentality towards mm-hmm. white culture, which is weird. That's interesting. But also makes you feel loved at the same time. Did you did you feel that on your mission? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. Because you bring in them. Like- and honestly, sometimes you feel bad for Filipino missionaries and even a lot of Polynesian missionaries that get assigned to the Philippines because... You have a lot of white people there and they just, because of how their culture is, they just mm-hmm. love white people more instantly, faster. Yeah. You don't have to do anything to be loved by Filipinos if you're white. And if you're Polynesian and you're struggling with the language and you look a Filipino because kind of have the same skin skin tone, yeah. like it's even harder. Yeah. Wow. So it's, it's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. I never, never even thought about that. Yeah. All the way back to World War II. Mm-hmm. So how was it? Because I think this is the most interesting part for me. Um, obviously you went over to a different country helping the community, but how was the transformation process of these kids? You're taking 16 to 18 year olds on a huge trip. First of all, 
Aaron's in charge. He is the one that is making sure these kids aren't dying, making sure everything's taken care of. How was that experience? Plus, how was the transformative experience that I would assume you see from these kids over two and a half week period? Yeah, 100%. I think, okay, I want to share a scripture real quick to kind of introduce what I feel I'd love the main idea of this podcast to be. And it comes from Doctrine and Covenants, section 123. And this is something that me and my co-leaders would turn to over and over again because these trips are hard. They're not easy yeah. by any stretch. So DNC 123 is the last section of Joseph Smith being in Liberty Jail, you know. And in verse 13, he says, Therefore, that we should waste and wear our lives in bringing to light all the hidden things of darkness, wherein we know them, and they are truly manifest from heaven, these should then be attended with great earnestness. So I think when it comes to, there's just something about getting outside of yourself. And you can do that to a certain extent here in America, mm -hmm. depending on where you work or what your daily life looks. But there's something about traveling 7,000 miles away to the opposite side of the world, not being able to communicate very well with the people but serving them mm -hmm. every single day yeah. and doing hard labor. You step outside in the Philippines and you're drenched in sweat, even in the shade. There's just, you're either wet from sweat or you're wet from rain. There's no, no in between. You're just uncomfortable the whole All the time. time. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think when it comes to the transformative process, especially for the kids, but also us trip leaders. Yeah, I would assume, yeah. But But the kids for sure, just being able, they don't have to worry about anything. The girls start out the trip trying to impress the boys, wearing tons of makeup and stuff. And then we get a weekend and everyone's just freaking dirty as frick. <laughs> Sweaty. People got the armpit sweat, back sweat everywhere. You got dirt all over your face, paint all over you, cement burns on your arms and crap. Yeah. Who cares? We're here loving the people. Who cares what we look like? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, that's it's so awesome. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. I feel like that is if any, you're literally in a different country outside of yourself as much as you really could be. And you have no time to mm -hmm. think about yourself and what you're going through at that time because you got to help. You know, you're here to put your whole your whole body and love into this. So. And, and another part of it was they didn't have their phones. Oh, yeah. And so we all meet up in Los Angeles before we leave. And I have this little sack. Um, everybody bring an extra sock, throw your phone in it. And when we're hopping on the airplane from Los Angeles to Taiwan, you're throwing your phone in here and you're not going to see it for two and a half weeks. Wow. And so they have nothing else to turn to. They mm -hmm. connect with each other and they connect with the Filipino people. And you don't have that distraction of Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, whatever mm -hmm. it might be. They're just there living a connected human life, you know. Mm -hmm. We could get into that. Yeah. We could for sure get into for that. For sure. Connection. And Aaron, you talk, you talk about this all the time, that the second somebody turns, you're having a deep conversation with someone, and the second they turn to their phone, connection immediately, like, oh, lost. immediately. And I think that's really interesting that these kids didn't have that, and so they had to kind of, I mean, if I may say, learn how to connect. Because mm -hmm. totally. it seems this is a new concept for the generation who is developing how to connect with people and in what ways we do so. So how was that kind of looking from the outside? How was that experience for you? I was, me and my trip leader, my co-leaders were pretty jealous that we had to have our phones to communicate with people in the Philippines to coordinate trip things. For the kids, it was hilarious because you could tell some of them are a little bit more socially awkward than mm -hmm. others. Yeah. And you show up at the airport on that 
what was it, Thursday afternoon in Los Angeles. And we had this meeting spot and everybody shows up and you're kind of sitting in a group and everyone's scoping each other out. And you can just kind of pick out, okay, this person might need a little bit of help with connecting with other people. This guy doesn't talk as easily. He's mm -hmm. not as easy to talk to. And then over time, there's just that level of comfort built up, that level of camaraderie built up between people over the first week, week and a half. We always saw a flip the second Sunday that we were there. Because yeah. you're kind of over the hump. You've got the hardest part behind you and you have four days left. Yeah. And the end is in sight. And everyone just turns into family almost. Everyone's okay laughing at each other. Everyone's okay getting vulnerable with each other, mm. bringing the spirit into the room because, I don't know, I feel when you're disconnected from electronics for that long, you kind of realize, hey, connection's the best part of life pretty yeah. much, you know? Yeah, and, and the, probably the amount of things that they learned from each other. Mm -hmm. They're put in literally a different location to just learn. And then now they have to learn how to connect to people. And then now they have to learn how to learn from each other. And one of the most beautiful parts is they have to rely on each other for that uh, connection mm. because Filipinos, they understand a good amount of English. But when it comes to the conversations that me and you would have, mm. they don't, most of them don't get that. Yeah. And so for that actual true connection through conversation and vulnerable feelings and things like that, they had to turn to each other. Yeah. They didn't have, yeah. they couldn't talk to their parents, you yep. know, and start crying. Like, yeah. I don't want to be here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's crazy. Yeah. What were some other things that happened that you want to kind of go over? Good question. You talked about your scripture, how it was very much, I mean, it seems like it was a very spiritual experience. When you came back, you just came back with a different step in your beat. For sure. Beat in your step. <laughs> <laughs> it was cool. A little bit about the spiritual side. So HXP, as I we did our training in May, they take us to Bear Lake for a weekend, all the trip leaders from around the world, and there is 400 of us. And they send 6,000 kids out every year over the summer. So it's a, it's a big, big task. So they train everybody really well. And one of the, sure, this trip is about serving the people of the Philippines, the humanitarian aspect, but this trip is really about showing these kids what a good life lived feels, you know, what a good life, what life feels when you're connected to Jesus. Yeah. And so HXP hired David Butler this year to oh, write kind of a curriculum for devotionals and things like that. And it was based around three things. The first was learning the character of God and what that means to you in your life. The second was learning your identity as his son or his daughter. And the third was what work does he have for you to do once you understand those first two things. Yeah. And so the way it would work is every morning we get up at 6.30 or 7. We have breakfast right away. And then we all file into the living room. And we're all sitting there, all 23 of us or however many there are. Exhausted. Exhausted. People are half asleep and stuff, but we all sit there and we study the scriptures and we study the devotionals and we have this theme of a devotional every every morning and we're talking about Jesus and these kids are kind of, you know what? God isn't this condemnatory, going to be disappointed or mad at me if I mess up or have messed up in the past. He's actually this super loving guy that's going to forgive me the moment I turn back to him. So how can you not be changed yeah. if you're surrounded by that knowledge for two and a half weeks, you know? Mm-hmm. Dude, that's so comforting. It just feels like I just felt a huge hug. Yeah. Just hearing that. Oh, to me, it's, and I'm sure a lot of my kids over the two trips would, would testify to this, but one of the main misunderstandings in the world today is the character of God. If you, <laughs> this is my own personal opinion. If you just, if anyone disagrees with me, that's totally fine. But if you truly understood how God feels about you, 
no matter where you're at in life or no matter what you've done and you feel of that love, that changes you forever. Mm-hmm. And you never, ever want to betray it. Not saying that you ever, you never will betray that love still. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, even if you do, that that knowledge that you have, that understanding of what his character is towards you and how he feels towards you at all times, make it so you can actually go to him yeah. and get close to him. Yeah. You know? I think I think that's that's a, a very valid true statement because I think if everyone understood the 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 love of God first of all, but also the character of God, this world would be completely different. There would not be crime. There would not be a need for crime. There would not be a need for selfishness or addiction mm-hmm. or shame. Shame. Shame would be gone. Guilt. There's no need for any bad thing in the world once you understand who God is. And mm-hmm. I guess that's. Well, we all have to understand his mm-hmm. true character at every point of our lives. Okay, guys, I'm gonna read you a story real quick. I just wanna, I just wanna give everybody a taste of kind of what these kids experienced every morning. So every other day, one of the co-leaders would run, would run devotional, pretty much. And of the devotionals, of all the devotionals, there are 17 of them total. This one was my favorite. And David Butler ties titles this "Beloved." And for those of you that don't know, David Butler's kind of this influencer guy in the church. Mm-hmm. Has a couple podcasts. He's an institute teacher. Institute teacher at UVU. Yeah, here at UVU. Awesome guy. One of the most straight up, easy to connect to guys because he's real. Yeah, he's so loving too. Yeah. <laughs> he is so loving. That guy you go into his institute class and it's, it doesn't care who you are, what walk of life you come from, this message is for you and he yeah. loves you. Yeah, 100%. That's and awesome. I remember just a little side note on David. He, at Trip Leader Training, he was there and he would, oh, talk, he he would talk to us and he told us this story about how Emily Freeman just got called as the new women's president, right? Yeah. So he's well, she's not going to be able to do the podcast anymore. President Nelson calls David Butler into his office and, you know, you already know this, but I'm taking your your co-host away <laughs> from the podcast. They talk about it for a little while. And, and then David's President Nelson turned to me and he's, do you have any suggestions about how the church is going? You're with the youth all the time. You're with the YSAs all the time. What kind of thoughts do you have? And David Butler's, I had a list. And we talked about it for like a half hour. And it's just some others, the realest dude. He's sitting there with President Nelson. He's, yeah, let's improve this. This, 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 this about the church that you're, that you're the head of right now, you know? <laughs> so cool. Anyways, so this, this devotional that he wrote is called Beloved. And I want to read it to you guys. And if anybody wants this typed out, I'm, I'd be more than happy to type this out or maybe throw it on our Instagram one of these times. That'd be awesome. He says, a baptism day is usually pretty special. People usually treat it differently. Grandparents fly in town sometimes. There are cupcakes or fruit trays or bagels or something afterwards. Everyone wants to take pictures and buy new dresses for the girls and new little suits for the boys. It can feel like a mini wedding. That's why I'm surprised when I read about Jesus' baptism. The way Luke tells the story, and Luke is a good storyteller, he lists off all the people who were there to be baptized. The rich people, the poor ones, the soldiers, the religious scholars, they were all there, everyone. And then he said, and Jesus also was baptized. And Jesus also, as if he were just standing in line with everyone else. Next, no cake, no angels, no red carpet, no new suit or scriptures, just in line at the banks of the river, baptized when it was his turn. And why that river? There were lots of rivers back then, better ones. The Jordan River was muddy and dirty, and it happens to be one of the lowest spots on earth. It empties into the Dead Sea, a body of water so salty that nothing can live in it. Geographers actually say the sea is not only dead, but dead and dying. It is getting lower and lower as the years go on, worse and worse. The landscape is a dry, desolate place. 
and Jesus also was there to get baptized. Jesus was there on an ordinary day in a less than ordinary river in line with everybody else, as if to say what happens next is everyone's story, and it could happen anywhere. When he was baptized, something simple and sacred happened. A voice came from heaven. It was his father, and this is what he said. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. You would have to read Matthew 1-3 to in order to know this, so I'm just going to cheat for you and fill you in on the backstory. Up to this point in the record, Jesus hadn't really done anything. He had performed no miracles, raised no one from the dead, nor healed any blind people. He had not taught big sermons or had any one-on-one tender conversations with lowly people. He hadn't really done anything praiseworthy or noteworthy. In fact, all we have record of him doing is putting his mom into labor when she was on a trip, not super nice, and running away from his mom and Joseph when he was 12 for three days without saying where he was going, almost giving them a heart attack. Jesus had done nothing, and yet, and yet his father still had those things to say about him. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. He was known, he was claimed, he was fully loved, and he made his father proud, all before he had done a single thing. Right from the beginning, he came that way. He wasn't known, claimed, and loved because of what he had done, but because of who he was, his child. And so are you. Before you have done anything, you are known, claimed, and loved. That is the true identity you came to earth with, and it is the one you will leave earth with. It is a part of what being a child of God means. Mm. How awesome is that? How beautifully written. That is, I mean, when you think about it, in my own life, and this is something that I shared with my kids quite often, and I know we shared, I did a lot of this on the podcast too, but the things that I've done in my past, I felt when I was in high school, really disqualified me from feeling God's love, right? It wasn't that I hadn't, I guess it was partly the things that I hadn't done, but it was more about the things that I was doing and Mm -hmm. had done in the past. Mm -hmm. But it's Jesus hadn't done anything up to that point in his life, at least that the scriptures say. I'm sure he had at some point, but he's what, 33 years old, 30 years old, something that he's getting baptized. And Heavenly Father claims him as his fully known, loved, 100% for who he is, Mm -hmm. regardless of what he had or hadn't done in the past. And when people recognize that identity that they have as God's child, as his son or daughter, how does that not change your life Mm -hmm. forever, you know? And I think that was the main purpose of the spiritual aspect of these trips, Mm -hmm. was trying to get that message across to the kids. Like, I don't care if you freaking take edibles every day. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you're addicted to weed. I don't care if you have a hard relationship with your parents or if you're in a sexual relationship with a significant other, God loves you for who you are right now. Mm-hmm. And as you start to feel that love for you, he will show you your potential and the work that he has for you to do yeah. on the earth. And when you feel that love and you see that potential, you'll become a person that is hard to imagine yeah, how beautiful it is. You. Yeah. Yeah. He will yeah. for sure change you. Yeah. I love his, his imagery of quite literally the condescension of God. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's my favorite word to describe Christ is literally going below everything in the world because he had to understand where I went in my pits and he had to understand my falls and he needed to understand every little thing I went through to be able to be called my savior now mm-hmm. because he did not only go below everything, now he's above everything, mm-hmm. but he still wants to come down with me when I'm struggling. 
And I think that's 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 who I want my savior to be. Mm-hmm. I don't want my savior to be anybody else but that. And think about I'm just when I'm sitting here and I'm helping teach these wonderful truths to these beautiful freaking teenagers. Mm-hmm. They're beautiful. I'm mad if I would have known this. Yeah. When I was 16 years old, yeah. that would have changed my life mm-hmm. forever. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of of these trips, doing these things. Like I said, it's about serving the people of the Philippines. It's about doing something meaningful and something that they'll use forever from mm-hmm. here on out. But I think the bigger purpose is helping these kids realize who they actually are. Yeah. You know? I think that's cool, too, because, I mean, they really are called they're they're reigning in the millennium, right? They mm-hmm. these are the children who are going to be the parents, say, the grandparents, the I don't know what stage of life they're gonna be at when when Christ comes. And they have to be the ones who are supporting the church, who are supporting who are sorry, I should say the leaders of the church. Yeah. Um and to have have such a clear or at least better understanding than I did when I was that age is why they have to have that. You know what I mean? Their potential is way, way insane just because of the time they were born and the Uh time they were sent here. Yeah. That is really cool. And it was really cool to see. I would talk to my co-leaders. By by the way, shout out to Allie Haas and Mallory Menden, two of the most amazing, beautiful people ever. But we would talk, we would have these nightly meetings with just us two, where we talk about how the kids are doing. And most of the time we would sit down and we'd be like, these kids are incredible. They're amazing. They're beautiful. The spirit that they bring and the way that they so freely give of themselves to the Filipino people and to each other mm-hmm. is just inspiring. Mm-hmm. I learned so much from every single one of those kids and want to be them. Dang. When I grow up someday. See, when Aaron first told me that he was going on a summer with a bunch of teenagers, I was good freaking luck, dude. I'm going to be in Provo, Utah, just living my life. Because I would never. I would die before I could do something like that. But it's so cool for you to come back and report how how life-changing it was, even for you, mm-hmm. at your age, to to be able to see the light of those kids and to be able to help them access that. You want to know one of the most life-changing parts of it? I think one of the biggest lessons that I learned from this trip was that when you're on a mission, and you you get this, Bray, but when you're on a mission, there are some points in the mission where you're so exhausted that you're like, I don't even know if I'm going to make it through today. I'm exhausted emotionally, spiritually, physically. I feel I just need to sleep for three days straight. Mm-hmm. And I felt the mission exhaustion, but times five. Yeah. On this trip, because we're going from 6, 6.37 in the morning to midnight and later every night. And there were days and one person gets sick, everybody gets sick. We're living in this house. We're around each other 24-7. Mm-hmm. The hygiene stuff in the Philippines isn't the greatest. <laughs> it's humid as crap. You're sweating. It's just it's just a bad place to get sick. <laughs> and I'd wake up some mornings and I'm like, I just freaking want my mom right now. No. Like, <laughs> I can't. I just want to sit down, lay on a couch with a blanket for the next three days. I feel like I could sleep for 36 hours, actually. And one of the things that I, because I would wake up and I'm in a, I'm in a room with three other kids. We have two bunk beds, there's four of us in a room. And I wake up and I'm, no, it can't be 6.30 already. I can't do this. And I'd wake up and I'd be getting tears in my eyes. I'm, I'm so exhausted. How am I supposed to go out and love these kids again today for the next 18 hours, you know? Yeah. And I just... When you're, I felt when I was that exhausted, when someone's that tired, 
you got one place to turn and that's God. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there laying in my bed. I can't even kneel right now. I'm such a baby, but I'm sitting there just praying, laying on my side, eyes closed, just trying to rest a little bit longer. <laughs> just God, please just give me the energy today to help connect with these kids mm -hmm. just in meaningful ways to help them feel loved in whatever way you would have me help them feel loved. And every single day, God shows up, right? He shows up in our lives. If you, if you ask for it and, and you, if you trust him. And I think that was just a, a really big eye-opening reminder to me. It's why don't I rely on that more in my everyday life when I am getting good sleep? And mm. He's there and he wants to help. But I felt that, I felt his hand in my life and the hands of angels in my life more than I ever had before over the five weeks because of just how actually exhausted I was. I'm pretty introverted. And to have to be on all day long, every day for five weeks was hard. Be exhausting. It was hard, but God's there. That's the beauty of it, right? Oh gosh, oh gosh, yeah. dude, that's a beautiful way to wrap this up. Faith, <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> faith, love, and God. Yep. There's really no other alternative. I think a lot of times, I was thinking about this today. I really complicated. I go to church and I really try and oh, what's this deep meaning or deep finding I can find today during sacrament, right? God. Christ, it's literally so simple. It is. It is so simple. I think one one last thing. We challenged our kids at the very beginning. There's this talk by President Eyring, try, 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 and mm -hmm. I think it's October of 2018 or something. Like that. And like the first three paragraphs or something, he talks about this experience where, oh, I can't remember who he's talking to. He was in the district presidency back when he lived on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. And one of his leaders was driving with him to an appointment somewhere. And he said, uh, I'll misquote it directly, but he said, Hal, when you meet somebody, assume that they're going through one of the hardest times in their life and more than half the time that you'll be right. And I think these kids were such an example to me because we would challenge them and be like, go out today on an errand, on an errand to connect with somebody. Let God know that you will follow his will for you in whatever way and whatever errand that he has for you that day and whatever person that you need to connect with and see miracles from it and we saw miracles from the people that we saw and interacted with every day our bus drivers that we had our little our cute van drivers shout out to jp june and Lori. but just getting close enough to them where we feel comfortable writing our testimonies in a book of mormon and giving it to them and just promising we love you and because we love you so much we want you and your family to the feel of this you know I don't know. It's just, there's something powerful when you're able to tell God, okay, let me impact somebody's life today in whatever way you'd Trust have me, me impact to do it. that. Yeah. And, yeah. and help me discern the moments where I can and help me take the time to be present with people. Mm -hmm. It's a lot easier to be present when you don't have your cell phone. I think that was a big part of it, but help me be present with people and just mm -hmm. help me help them feel of your love through me. Yeah. Oh, that was beautifully put. Beautifully put. Faith is literally just you trusting God, but also God trusting you. God has to be able to trust you to run his errand. He's not mm -hmm. going to just put some bumbo out here who's going to share the gospel with this person, this life-changing message. He has to be able to trust you to do that. And life is all about relationships, mm -hmm. too. Can we just reiterate that? Because yeah. that is so true. Your day-to-day -day life, going to work, coming back from work, Going to sleep, going to bed, being on your phone for hours. 
If you don't interact and connect with somebody at least once every day, you're missing the whole point of life. And you're probably going to be miserable. Yeah. Yeah. Life's really going to suck. You're not going to be able to connect with people. That is I think, so fast. I think, I think a big reason that God sent us here to earth is to be able to impact each other's lives mm-hmm. in, in the unique way that each of us can. Mm-hmm. And I saw that so clearly in the Philippines. Mm, I love that. Dang. Well, Aaron, thanks for sharing. I love I loved this episode. This was really cool to hear. Thanks, Learned thanks a for lot. questions. Yes, of course. If any of you guys want to hear more about Aaron's experience or get some more information about the group he went with, we'll put some info in the comment. What is it called? Bio. In, in the bio for this episode. <laughs> but stay tuned, y'all. We have some really exciting things coming up. And if you have any suggestions, please let us know in our Instagram, email, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And I guess just a qu- actually before that, if any of my kids are listening to this, I hope y'all know that I love you so much. And more than that, God loves you. And that's the most important thing. Oh. This is something if you ever are with your roommate and you are trying to wake them up for anything. Me and my co-leader were in charge of waking up our kids. And for my second trip, my co-leader was, you know, I've heard it's a good idea if you wake up the boys and you just say, good morning, you beautiful sons of God. <laughs> Every single morning. I would wake up and I'd put on some karaoke Miley Cyrus song or whatever party in the USA and I'd just kick my head in the door and be like, good morning, you beautiful sons of God. So if any of my kids are listening to this, I hope you know how much I love you and y'all are beautiful sons and daughters of God. But you are too, Bray. You're a beautiful daughter of God. You are too. But really quick, Bray and I are so grateful for everybody that listens to this podcast. Yeah. So it's been, it's been a little over a year now. I think this is going to be episode 54 or something like that, which is crazy. 54 weeks or whatever we've been doing this. Mm-hmm. We're getting really close to 150,000 downloads. And we're just blown away mm-hmm. with, with the love and support that we feel from you guys. And whenever we get a message that talks about some random episode that we came out with eight months ago, it seriously makes us so worth mm-hmm. it for Bray and I. Oh, yeah. Because there's sometimes, I mean... This is probably a pity party right here, but Bray and I live pretty busy lives. It's, it's hard to carve out the time sometimes to do this podcast, but it's a blessing to us to be able to talk to the people that we do, but then even more so to be able to hear from you listeners that listen to this podcast or that actually get something out of it. Yeah. Like, there's nothing more rewarding than that. So thank you guys so much for subscribing and for listening and, and everything, everything like that. We I love agree. y'all. I agree. We love you guys so much. And God loves you and everybody that's listening to this and everybody in the whole world is actually a beautiful son and daughter. (laughs) Well, peace out, y'all. We'll see you next week. Bye. (laughs)